Amen. Praise God. And if you are a young one, you are dismissed and free to go to class. Give those hugs away. I like it. It's good. There's a lot of kids running around. I love it. It's beautiful to see. Uh, it is very good to be back with you. Uh, we are going to be in 1 John 4, 13 through 18 today. Uh, just to let you know, if you see me doing this uh, once in a while, it's because I've been riding horses and sometimes I use muscles that I've never used before. Uh, so we got to, uh, I was gone last week, got to be in Colorado, uh, make a fool of myself uh, out there, uh, riding some, uh, some horses and uh, but it was a really good time, so thank you all. And the reason why I say that is uh, I want to thank Brian uh, for uh, preaching last week and everyone for everything that they uh, were able to do. Uh, before we get started, I was, we're going to be talking, it's called Rock Salad, the uh, uh, lesson today about a foundation, a strong foundation. And I was trying to find the biggest rock that I could have up here. And, you know, I was going to bring it on a wheelbarrow. But then as more and more time started, I could always find a bigger rock. I was like, that's really cool. And then I realized that I could not carry that rock anymore. And I have to have a bigger team and have to then get it in the truck. And it felt like a lot of work to have that strong of foundation. So no, there's no huge rock up here or anything like that. And then it came to my mind, you guys know what rocks are. So I, uh, I, I skipped out on that part of the work. Uh, so, but... We're going to be thinking of foundation rock salad, what that is today. Uh, so let's start with digging in 1 John 4, 13 through 18. And let's, uh, let's start by reading. Uh, I'm reading the ESV uh, version. If you have a different version, uh, it would be very similar. Uh, just uh, changed around a little bit. Verse uh, 13 says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love." Oh, what a beautiful passage. And uh, before we really dig into it, let's take a quick review of John and these letters. First uh, John is just, it's a beautiful letter. Uh, if, if you've been reading these letters, if you're reading along with us, you've known a couple things. John talks a lot about God is love. And he's also uh, against false prophets, the ones that are uh, against uh, teaching falsely, saying that God's not fully man or not fully divine or all these different things. God, it, John is laying down the foundation, but a main focus is God is love. Wiersbe says this about it. This truth is revealed to us in the word, the word of God, but it was also revealed 
on the cross where Christ died for us. God is love is not simply a doctrine in the Bible. It is an eternal fact clearly demonstrated at Calvary. God has said something to us and God has done something for us. Now, there's, I want us to acknowledge something real quick. One, God said something to us. That is through the word. That is through creation. We can look outside and we can look outside. We know that the world turns and we see the, the trees grow and we can see this. God has said something to us through the word of God. Two, he has done something for us. That's by sending his son, Jesus, to die and rise again for us. And number three, he has done something in us. What is that? That's point number one. He has given us his spirit. He has given us his spirit. Verse 13 says this, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. How amazing is it that we can know, we can process, that we can live with Christ, that we are with Christ. And how do we know this? It's because he has given us of his spirit. Christ is no longer here on earth in the physical form anymore. Christ came in the flesh and Jesus, through his life, he revealed that he is the image of the invisible God. And now... He has given us the Holy Spirit. John 14, 15 through 17 says this. John 14, if you're writing stuff down, John 14, 15 through 17. And Jesus is talking and says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. What a beautiful that the God, Jesus has given us the spirit. Jesus is giving us of himself. And you know how people will see this? People now see Jesus, the spirit of God through the Holy Spirit. And people see God through the Holy Spirit in us, in our actions, by the way we love others, just as Christ loved us. There's this beautiful connection. Because we now have the Holy Spirit within us, we can now love people properly. We can now love and see them as Christ would. Because I can guarantee you this, if you do not have Christ, you do not see other people properly. Have any of you ever gone to a meeting unprepared? Have you ever gone to a test? I remember this test clear as day. I had to study for chapter three, section two, test. I get there. I'm ready for the test. I'm sitting there. I liked my teacher. I thought it was sort of cool. He wore like four rubber bands. I was like, why? And he would always like flick himself. I don't know. It was weird. But I was like, I'm ready for this test. And then all of a sudden he was like, all right, ready to go? Uh, the test is on all of chapter 3, sections 1 through 5. I had studied section 2. I was not prepared. I was not equipped. I was not ready. 
The sweat that I felt over my body at the time was not natural. I was nervous. I was concerned. I am telling you this because God has given us everything to be well-equipped. He has given us this spirit. There is no test that is coming for us that he's not prepared for. Now, the thing is, is when you do it on your own, that's when you get, I did section two. We start relying on ourselves and we start doing that. No, we need to walk with the spirit. He has given us the spirit. He has fully equipped us for everything coming forward. It doesn't mean things that are coming in our forward are great things. We have lost loved ones. We have hurt. We have confusion. There is, there is sin still in the world, but that does not mean that God is not with us and walking alongside us. He is equipping you with everything you need. Too many times we think we have to do life on our own. To pick up our own bootstraps. To go through it solo. God is not that way. And, and I want us to not just dismiss the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the Jewish people, when they saw the tabernacle or see the, saw the tabernacle, they would stand in all of it? At times, not because of the building itself, because they knew that's where the presence of God was. Do you know that the presence of God is in you? Like the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, like if you believe the word of God, like he is working through you. He's not in the tabernacle anymore. He's working in your life, through your life. What, how beautiful is that? And I think us, we take that so lightly today, that the glory of God is with us. It's not by our actions that we've done, but by the grace and love of the Father who loves us. Our rock foundation is in Christ, not us. The truth is, there is only one way to God. That's Jesus. Jesus is love. No other way. Can't have another truth because it ain't true. I can tell you right now, I love cats. I could say it, but it ain't true. I could say it. Congratulations. It's not true. A couple quick questions. One, why are cats so good at video games? Anyone? They have nine lives. Why are cats afraid of trees? Because of the trees bark. Oh, I got you two dad jokes. Two dad jokes. Still got it. Hey, I know that's a little off topic, but and I know some of you like cats, and you like them, and that's great. It doesn't make it true. They're horrible. No, just joking. Just joking. I don't want to. Once you start talking about animals, people start getting a little offensive, okay? I'm not saying that. No. Truth has to be solid. Truth has to be on the rock. There has to be. Jesus is that rock. We have to be on a firm foundation. And we can be on that because of the Holy Spirit. Let's continue in verse 14. Verse 14 says this, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. This verse right here is talking about the personal testimony of all those that have seen Jesus. These are the eyewitnesses. This was John himself along with the others. 
They were convinced and they knew that God, the Father, had sent Jesus into the world. Okay, this is a huge thing, especially in Jewish culture. They are saying, they are testifying to the fact that it's God the Father had sent Jesus. Okay? They are one. They are united. That is what the foundation is. And that it needs to be there because if it's not there, the, the rock we're standing on is not a rock at all. It's like we're in the, the ocean of water and you've got a, a piece of bark and you're out there and you've got nothing to stand on. And a lot of times we look around us. If you look in the world today, do you not see a bunch of people lost in the ocean? They're lost. And they're like, they have this like piece of wood that's deteriorating fastly, but they're like, yeah, I like this. I got this. No, we got to be on the rock. And the thing is, is this is testifying that the God, the Father, that Jesus is that rock. And we have to stay on that rock. And the problem is too many of us, we're on the rock, but we start going closer to the edge. We like to go see, hey, let's see how close to the edge I can be and still be okay. Like that's pretty deep over there. And then we wonder why stuff happens. Why does Satan love working around the edges? Because we're right there. We're not firmly on the foundation. And he, right now, John is testifying this. Not just some words, but he's testifying to help you and help the church. John is helping show the foundation, the rock that we stand on, that the God of Israel has sent his son, Jesus, to be the savior of the world. And there is no other, and there will be no other. Everything else is false and the Antichrist. And this leads to point number two. We have to abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Verse 15 Verse 15 says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. We're going to start with the, the first part before we get to abide. It says, whoever confesses. I like the word confess, but I also like the word testify or a, a, agreement with here as well. There's a difference between knowing some facts about Jesus compared to testifying, confessing, agreeing with to the truth of who Jesus of Nazareth is. I like how uh, this uh, Guzik in his commentary puts it. He goes, we must agree with God about who Jesus is. And we find out what God says about Jesus through the word of God. We may know something without being in agreement with it. Let me, let me say that. We may know something without being in agreement with it. God demands our true agreement. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter what atheists think about Jesus. It doesn't matter what Hindus, Muslims, agnostics, atheism, it doesn't believe. Their views don't matter because it doesn't line up with God the Father. God of truth says about Jesus. The foundation is what God says about those things. Okay? We can all have opinions. It does not matter. At the end of the day, it all matters what God says about those kind of things. And too many of us have gone to the other side and been like, yeah, it's all this opinion, this is regress. That's false. There's only one that gets to decide everything at the end. 
And the problem is, is too many of us are standing at the edge saying, oh, I want to pick this. I like this part. I want to pick this in the water. I want to pick this. And that has deteriorated. And I will tell you, uh, a lot of that is the American church. And a lot of that has started picking up as being like, oh, we need more people so we can get, so we're, we'll, we'll compromise and we'll start building off of the rock and we'll try to, but it's not the rock itself. The rock is the foundation. The rock is the one that makes all the rules. Because once you're off the rock, you're then no longer safe. You're in danger zone. And as we've been talking, and as, as John and even with Brian, as we've been talking about last week and, and this week, John is a lot about love and how God loves. But John knows that love without truth is wrong. Like, we, we talked about it downstairs a little bit and during Sunday school about the wrong definition of love. We, we say love. If I love my daughter and she's going to put a fork in an outlet, I have a choice to make. Do I offend her by taking away the fork? Or do I save her and have a little cry fest because I took the fork away? What one is better love? And if you don't have kids, make sure you put some stuff over the outlets. Okay? I'm just saying, like, we love to change. Like, oh, but it's loving. Like, let let them do you. Let the kid do be himself. And the problem is, it's just because we hit 18, we're like, well, they're an adult now. No! They can still put forks in outlets. They were, there's 18 to 22 year olds were eating Tide Pods. Don't tell me because you hit a certain age, all of a sudden you become like this grand wizard. Like at age 16 that day, now you can date properly. No, we, there's no age limit. God is that standard. And as you as parents, you have to raise your kids. You are responsible to train them up. And that's where a lot of parents have failed. I can talk in here about that. So we've, we've lost that. Because now we want to be best friends with them. We don't want to be a parent with them. We want to hang out with them. And we're not willing to like sacrifice some of that because my kid might not like me for the evening. I get that. It's hard. I want Jason to love me all the time. But I can't if I'm a good, good father. I can't. And God loves you too much. Loves you so much that he's going to correct you. And he's going to protect you from things. Things that I thought I wanted, I now look back and be like, thank you. Thank you for not giving me what I wanted. Thank you for protecting me. John is about love and truth. I like how Romans 10.9 adds on to that. He says in verse 9, in Romans 10.9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because if you confess, confess is testifying that believing loyalty. I think so many times when we hear, like even in verse, whoever confesses that Jesus is God, we just talk about, oh, if you just say it with your words, and I do believe that if you say it with your words, uh, it matters and does that. But confess means more is living it, testifying by the way you, you, you live, by the way that you act, by, the, by how people look at you. 
I have said there's many people that say they are Christians, but their lives do not follow what Jesus is saying at all. We talked about that downstairs. There's many different things. They say, yeah, I follow, I follow Jesus. I do this, but you know what? I'm going to add stuff to the Bible. I'm going to do this. And you're like, what? No, that your actions matter. It's a testify. But your words matter. Because if you confess with your mouth, because that is talking about your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, oh, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you are in the same heartbeat of God. And this is when it starts coming in full circle because you're walking with the Holy Spirit. You're in the same heartbeat. It's the Holy Spirit now leading you, not yourself. So beautiful. Verse 16 says this as we continue through uh, this passage. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides, there's that word again, in love abides in God and God abides in him. We were just talking a second ago about knowing and believing the love God has for us. And this is how we as believers should respond in joy to knowing and believing who God is and who he says he is. God is love. He's not American love. He's not worldly love. No, God is love. And we are to live in that love and represent that love by abiding in God. So when we abide in God, so then God then abides in us. And this is the true communion, true relationship, true fellowship with God when we abide with him. Are there times in your life where you feel like you're not abiding with him? I even heard downstairs, and I'm not going to say who, it's being like, I feel like when I don't read the Bible for a week, I am not as close to him, close to God. It's like, it's funny how that works. If we don't abide, there's this, there's this separation. The word abide was used in verse 15 and now twice in verse 16, and it's used multiple more times. Abide, it refers to a personal, committed, direct relationship and fellowship with Jesus. Wearsby says this, to abide in Christ means to remain in spiritual oneness with him so that no sin comes between us. Because we are born of God, we have union with Christ. But it is only as we trust him and obey his commandments that we have communion with him. I'll give you a great earthly example. Okay? It's that of marriage. To be connected, to be faithful, to fellowship and communion with our husband and wife. You could do that well, but if sin enters the equation, the communion between you two can suffer. It doesn't mean the marriage is over, but things aren't right. Has anyone ever had a marriage issue ever? An argument? Okay, we got one. Okay, you guys are doing really well. No boyfriend, girlfriend issues? No? No, man, you guys are, you are great. When that comes up, it, doesn't things not seem right? There's, there's something off. You can still, there's still the love, there's still communication, but there's just something. It might not even be that big. We got to abide, and that's just an earthly example. We have to abide with Christ because he's in charge. I like this quote from Spurgeon. He says, to feel God's love is very precious, but to believe it when you do not feel it is the noblest. I love that. 
a lot of us in America, and the reason why I say that, a lot of us in America go by feelings. Oh, I'm feeling like I want to do this today. Or I feel like loving my person. I feel like, that's not abiding. That's feeling stuff out. Like, oh, I feel. I would tell you, when I work with youth kids, I love youth kids. But when I was working at a high school, a pastor, they would wait to the last minute to commit to anything. To anything. We, have, we would have an event on Sunday night or we'd have it on Monday. They would wait until Sunday night to commit. And so, like, I'm trying to figure out so I could have food, so I could have the games ready, so I could have everything ready to go to make sure everything. No, you know why? Because they were feeling it out to make sure that nothing cooler was coming up. Nothing else would interrupt them so they could wait to the last minute because, yeah, I like having that option. I like having that opportunity, and I'll tell you, yeah, let's make, I'll, I'll probably be there, like if the odds are, but if something cooler happens, I'm not there. That's not abiding. That's America. That is right now. It's like, I will wait, I will do that. Yeah, I like this Jesus thing. I'll sort of deal with it because if there is a hell, then I may, I'm safe. It's not truly abiding. It's like I'm playing certain cards to make sure that I, I play this right. And that's not how Christ wants us at all. It's not we're supposed to abide fully with him, to be communed. How would that play with you and your significant other if you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll be there maybe. I got other plans or something better comes along. But we do it with God of the universe. I'm telling you, I, I think that's an unwise move. We, as humans, and I will tell you this, everyone in here abides to something. Is it our own selfishness, or is it on a firm foundation? And our final point, point number three, love perfectly perfected. Verse 17 says this, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. By this love, the love God has for us, is perfected in us. And this helps us know that we have assurance, that we have assurance as believers for the day of judgment by the way we love. If we abide in Christ and know his love and show his love, we have the assurance. Because I am telling you this, you're not getting that love from yourself or by anyone else. There, the love of Christ is different. Uh, I'm going to uh, uh, dance on the word, what uh, perfected means in Greek. Greek means uh, teleo, which goes to the idea of maturity or completeness. John says it in verse 17, he says it twice, teleo, teleo, which John is saying that God's love is perfectedly perfected or completely complete because God, through the Holy Spirit, abides with us and us with him, we can experience love perfectedly perfected. We are not getting that anywhere else in the world. Even though marriage is a great example of unity and love together, I can guarantee you 
that my wife does not believe the love I have is perfectedly perfected. My wife loves me, but I can guarantee you she does not think the way I love her is perfect. And as the verse continues, we know that there will be a day of judgment. And we can trust and know that we will experience this love to the fullest. Guzik points us out in these experiences of completeness and God's love on judgment. He goes, you may know you are a sinner now. You will really know it on the day of judgment. You may know the greatness of Jesus' salvation now. You will really know it in the day of judgment. I will preach. Oh, that's what I'm doing right now. No, that's beautiful. You will really know there will be a day of completeness. There will be a day where it all comes to a head. And that day right now is why are we waiting? We're like, no, we can experience that now. And in the day of judgment, your rock foundation better be in Christ and not yourself. And whatever your foundation is on, it better be rock solid. We will all have to stand on something on that day. And he's, he is telling you right now, if any of you are worried or any of you are nervous, have your assurance, be in Jesus, be in abiding with the Holy Spirit. That is when we have our confidence. That's where we have our boldness in the day of judgment. Verse 18, it's our final verse, says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. I will tell you this. Right now, some of you are really worried about what's going on in the world today. With Israel, Palestine, Iran, Ukraine, Russia, America, I understand that. I get that. But I'm telling you this. This is when we as believers should be our sharpest. And knowing to get on our knees and pray to the Father. And to read the Holy Word. To know and trust the Father. Because here's the thing. God already knows everything. is in control of everything. And Jesus is still on his throne. And scripture will continue to remind us that. We can even look at Matthew 24 and 6. It gives us a great example. It says this, And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. It's not yet. We'll know when it goes down. But what is our foundation on? Our Boldness needs to be in the Word. And that's the Scripture and that's Jesus. The rock, the true foundation, is abiding in the truth. And where there is love, there is no fear. The fear of Judgment Day has been taken care of at the mountain of Mount Calvary. It's already been taken care of. But you know what Satan wants you to do? He wants to remind you of that fear. He wants to remind you not to live that way. He wants to continue to remind you of all your failings. And we have a bunch. I'm not telling you that you're, we're not sinful. But you either believe what Jesus had done and really stand on it, or you don't. 
And if you're truly abiding or truly walking with the Holy Spirit, that stuff will go away because you've handed it to the right person, Jesus Christ. I just want to bring up one fear. When it talks about uh, there is no fear, like sometimes people are like, well, it says in the Bible, it says the beginning of wisdom is fear of God. They're similar, but the, the terminology is a little bit different. It's that kind of fear is that of reverence and relevance and uh, the, to uh, have the proper place before God. This kind of fear that they're talking about, the fear, this is that you'll, the eternal fear of eternal damnation, the fear of never measuring up. And here's the little secret, you never will. You never will. There is a healthy fear, but the fear, the healthy fear is knowing that God, I know my place and it's all on Jesus, it's all on God. And it says, as the final verse, that at the end of the verse it says, whoever fears has not been perfected in love. If we are still in fear, we have not fully matured to perfected in love. We have not reached full producing fruit production. We still want to see things our way. And we are not always rock solid. The only way you can be rock solid is to abide with the rock fully. I'm asking you to not keep stepping towards the edge of the rock if you're on the rock. And some of you might be in the water, and I'm telling you, get on the rock. Get on the rock. Stop swimming by yourself. And I know some of you, and you have times, and I had trouble this weekend. I'll be very personal. Yesterday was... A day where I wanted to watch football at noon, and I had, for three weeks, had something set up, planned that I wanted to do. But then all of a sudden, my daughter gets a birthday party invite. I am telling you, the flesh side of me did not want to take my daughter to the birthday party. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And the mere fact that I was having that struggle, I could realize at that moment, it was the flesh battling. I was like, I don't even want to have that. I want to be so close with God that I don't even have these struggles. But here's the shocker. We're human. We will have those. So I didn't watch football. I didn't go to my event that I was excited for. And I took my daughter. And within the first 15 minutes, there were so many people there, she became very shy. She didn't want to be there anymore. But I will tell you, it changed my whole perspective because now none of the other football stuff mattered because I only cared about her because I was upset that she was shy. I wanted to protect her. I wanted her to have a good time. And all the things that were selfish or about me floated away. So we left and we got some ice cream together and we hung out together. I am telling you that, yeah, I hated that feeling of being like, oh, I'm not quite there. I still have fleshly desires, and I still get that. that but I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's still talking to you in those moments. And you have opportunities to stand on the rock of foundation or to be by the edge and always go to the water. I ask that you continue to abide, to continue to go to the rock every time every time. But if you don't, that's what we're here for. The church is here to help people back on the rock. Not on the church, like the living hope. Like, no, on to Jesus. That's what we're about. On to Jesus, the firm foundation. Now, there's only one question left. What foundation are you on? 
what foundation are you on? And are you on the foundation you want to be on? There's forms in front of you you can fill out. We as a church want to come alongside you. If that's, hey, I'm here and I want to meet with the pastor or I want to meet with someone, we'll do it. Because we want to have you on firm foundation. Be rock solid. And if not, if you just want prayer, we want to come alongside you. Because we love you. And as John said, we have discipleship groups. We're wanting to do that. And we have other times we do game nights and learning groups. We do that because we want firm foundation. We want to be there for you in these kind of settings. So I just ask that during this song or wherever, if you want to stand, if you want to sit, if you want to kneel, you want to come to the altar, that you talk with God. Where is my foundation? Really? Not like, hey, I showed up. Where is my foundation? And I want it to be on Christ. So let us go to God together. Sorry for going a little bit over, but now I can't. I want to be in his presence. I want to abide with him. I want to be on the rock all the time. And I pray that that's your heart too, that you abide with him, that you walk with the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful thing. Don't lose that.